3: Hey there, this is John Little. Thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. And just a little note before we get into the podcast today with the guys, that when I recorded the interview late last week, I did not have some of the information that's starting to come to light about Daniel Escott, his past dealings in an esports venture that did not go well Either for him or uh, some of the participants as well who are owed money at the end of it. And uh, I've seen a lot more about that today. I'm speaking about Monday. On Twitter and the like, so I apologize for not having that information. I would have pressed a little bit more uh, through some of the questions here, uh, but I think that the point of this podcast, more than anything, is to talk about the expansion, the hunger uh, for women's basketball, and specifically in Toronto as well. And I think I do a good job talking through the whole thing about this being a possibility and not being a foregone conclusion by any stretch that the WNBA is coming to Toronto. So again. Appreciate you listening. And I'm going to leave untouched the rest of the podcast. It's going to air now, just as it was originally posted. Thank you.
0: The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little.
1: Given the perfect storm of things that have gone on the go between running the East, taking the finals, the WNBA announcing a television deal for Canada, the first of its kind for the league, now is the time to put a franchise in Canada, and Toronto is a city to do it.
0: The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little.
3: Well, 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 welcome back to the Her Hoop Stats podcast. We meet yet again for the 10th edition of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. They said we'd never last three weeks. Good to have you with me. I'm John Little. We got a great conversation for you today. We are talking WNBA toronto and i love doing these interviews we've got it's kind of a two-way street because we've had great response on the other end of things great response from you the listener and please if you do end up subscribing to us or if you do like what we're doing make sure to rate and review us that helps other people find the podcast and then just very selfishly i like, like talking to interesting people And I would say that Daniel Escott and Max Abrahams are really interesting people. For a ton of WNBA fans, a big part of what they want to see, uh, the next step the league take is expansion. And if two guys in the entire world right now are at the forefront of expansion in the WNBA, it's these two gentlemen who want to bring a WNBA team to Toronto. They've been making headlines over the last three, four weeks or so as they've gone out and said, this is something that is we are going to do. We are going to put an official bid out there to make Toronto the next franchise in the WNBA and so we'll see if it happens and certainly I'm rooting for these gentlemen and I think a lot of your questions will be answered whether you're Canadian or whether you're just a WNBA fan a lot of your questions are going to be answered for the next 25 minutes so I really appreciate these guys time and for joining us here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast without further ado let's meet the Max Abrahams and first to speak Daniel Escott When this opportunity
1: came up, when when Max sent me a frantic email and it had to be at three in the morning, either we do this now or we'll read about it in three years, this was a no-brainer. This was an opportunity for us to take a good business and turn it into something that a nation can get
3: behind. Well, Max, tell me about that frantic email and why that was sent and when that was sent.
2: So it was sent on the night of the WNBA draft. Um, a friend of mine from high school, Sammy Hill, two of her friends had just been selected. And uh, one of them is Bridge Carlton, who's also Canadian. Then just shot me a message. I was like, we should bring a team to Toronto. And then it was an abundant yes. And then right after that, I didn't like probably thought on it for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then I just shot out some emails and Daniel, I thought, is uh yeah man we've just been running with this since and it's been really really amazing so far
3: there must have been uh, a point before that for you max that you got involved with women's basketball and what uh, point was that for you
2: yeah i was from when i've been like 14 15 16 pretty much um the high school i went to is eastern commerce very very well-known basketball program here in canada and even north america as a matter of fact, um, like Jamal McGlore went there. Justin Jackson, who just got drafted to the Orlando Magic, went there. So I've been around high-level men's and women's basketball since, yeah, I was like 14, 15, 16. And since then, it's always something I've kept an eye on because it continues to grow, of course, and a rise in popularity. And it's always just fun to participate in. Daniel, you told
3: one media outlet that this is a perfect storm time in Toronto and in Canada to try something like this. What did you mean by saying it was a perfect storm?
1: If there was ever a time for the WNBA to expand to Toronto, now is the time. And even going a step further, uh, even going a bit beyond uh, just basketball, Canada is a very interesting landscape for women's sports in general, but the last seven or eight months have just been a whirlwind. While our women's national teams are performing at the, the highest levels they've ever seen. Uh, they've seen. They're seeing a kind of commercial success that hasn't been seen by women's national teams in a very long time, if ever. And at the same time, uh, I'm not sure if, uh, everyone's heard, but the Canadian Women's Hockey League, uh, our National Women's Hockey League, uh, folded back in April. And so that called into question the legitimacy of women's sport in general in Canada as a viable business. We wanted to, uh, to take this opportunity to... Do it one step at a time. We're not sure if Canada could support an entire women's league on its own, but we think that the entire nation could support one team. And having that kind of focus for the entire country uh, is a a kind of attention that the United States could could never manage. So Toronto is, at this point, when it comes to basketball, on the map. The Raptors won the finals. We ran the East. People saw immediately after we won the finals the outpouring of support every single Canadian was either at the parade or watching the parade and celebrating the win as an entire country. And at the same time, you know, you look at about two weeks later with Kawhi Watch, uh, I think the entire world was surprised that all 40 million Canadians for seven days straight, all they could talk about is where Kawhi is going to go. There's no other place in the world where basketball would get that kind of attention, that kind of following, even in the United States, you know, 40 million people is over 10% of the US population. If you had 10% of all Americans watching one player at the same time, uh, the country would stand still. So we've proven to the world that we are a basketball country and Toronto's a basketball city, just the same as we run hockey. And I don't think that it would be fair to only say that we do hockey anymore, because I think we've proven otherwise. Toronto is the best city at this point in North America for the WNBA to operate. And given the perfect storm of things that have gone on to go between running the East, taking the finals, the WNBA announcing a television deal for Canada, the first of its kind for the league, now is the time to put a franchise in Canada,
3: and Toronto is the city to do it. That is the voice of Daniel Escott, and we're also joined by Max Abrahams. And Max, let's talk about the excitement that you guys have seen, not only in Toronto, but Canada as well. Early in the afternoon on 7-7, you guys tweeted, the paperwork will be submitted to the WNBA this summer, and uh, that means that it would give it the possibility of uh, WNBA Toronto to start playing uh, by next year. Since that momentous tweet, what kind of waves have uh, you guys seen, Max? Incredible.
2: And honestly, the day or the hour since she announced this, just even I think it was 20 days ago now, um, the support has been incredible. Um, It's almost been nonstop. Our email inboxes are flooded, um, not only with just people supporting, but asking for season ticket reservations, um, asking for jobs. We have about 200, 300 resumes on file now, Um, partnerships, Uh, with different organizations. It's just been incredible. And I couldn't be more proud of uh, and just really uh, grateful for the support we've received so far. Canada's ready. There's uh, no doubt about that. Really what this entire process comes down to now is logistics. The things like getting the paperwork in and just speaking with the relevant stakeholders within the WNBA. Um, We've already had conversations with ownership groups across the league, as well as the Players Association. Um, So now it's just about really bringing it all together um, and getting it through. Uh, New Commissioner Kathy Engelbert uh, the other day
3: doing an interview with a Chicago newspaper uh, said that, in her opinion, that expansion won't happen, quote, in the near future. Is that a blow at all to what you guys are trying to organize here? Or how do you think you'll overcome um, that type of thinking from the incoming commissioner
1: well i think it really comes down to you know what is best for the league uh the league announced two almost three weeks ago now that uh they had this television distribution deal in canada i don't think that that deal would be commercially viable and it they would preclude the league from ever expanding to canada in the future if they didn't have a franchise here now it's not a deal that would entice canadians to tune in to regular games to watch a single canadian on a single american team that's not a commercial proposition at all Beyond that, but the executives that have, brought, uh, that have been brought in, uh, you know, Kathy Engelbert is one of the best executives in the world. She's very shrewd, she's very pragmatic, and she understands that sometimes you need to take opportunities when they're presented. Expanding to Toronto in three years' time wouldn't be anywhere near as successful as expanding this year or next, because this is the perfect time. Every owner across the league has an appetite for expansion. The Players Association has an appetite for expansion. If the league were to decide that they weren't going to take this jump with us, they would basically be disregarding the wishes and well-being of the people in the league itself.
3: Max, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Oh, yeah, just on top of that. Um, I think one thing to keep in mind, too, is that there's currently the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, being negotiated at the moment. Um, So basically, for anyone listening, what that is, is it's the revenue shared between the league and the players themselves. Um, So that should be going on for probably the next six to eight weeks. And that's a very tight-knit negotiation, so the league can't really uh, comment on anything that's ongoing behind the scenes through expansion. Um, It has to all be private conversations at this moment. Um, So we never expected anyone to publicly come out with a statement within the WNBA, in the executive level at least, um, saying that this is happening right away. Even if I could just add
1: one final point to that, the WNBA isn't the only league guilty of it. Every professional league in North America, I do believe when the topic of expansion comes up, the answer is always no until it's done. It is just a poor business practice to make an official statement saying, yes, this is going to happen before the ink is dry on the papers. So regardless of the stage of of the process that we're in, uh, whether this were for the WNBA or the NBA or the NHL or the NFL, until this is absolutely done and we have a start date, I would expect that any executive in their right mind would say that they're not going to uh, exclude any options, but that nothing is done.
3: I understand. Uh, thank you guys so much for your uh, candor in answering that question. The uh, next question I have is, all right, now that uh, you know you're going to be submitting the paperwork and you're, you're drafting that, you're getting that already, what is the next biggest step? What's the biggest hurdle? And um, uh, Daniel, I guess we'll just start with you again. What's the uh, biggest hurdle in your mind, that next step that needs to be taken here?
1: I think the next big hurdle is actually settling on a date with the league. There's been a lot of talk about starting next season is incredibly ambitious and we agree. The team that we've assembled, the advisory board, the people we have on our staff, people that we've engaged, and the stakeholders that we've engaged, everyone from uh, grassroots basketball camps all the way up to the NBA. So they all believe that given what we currently have and the plan we have, it's realistic. It's something that could be done uh, as long as the execution is done properly. But the big thing is really just managing the expectations uh, and making sure that When people talk about the bid, when people talk about what we have put forward and what we have announced publicly versus what we have on the on on the the behind-the-scenes bid, know that they're two different things. We aren't in a practice of announcing things when they're half-baked. We announced the bid on June 24th because we had a solid plan put together. We had all the bright stakeholders engaged. We were at the point in the process where the public deserved to know. We are not going to announce a venue or members of the ownership group until the ink is dry and we ha- we can speak clearly and publicly to answer every question that people will have on the topic. Because to do anything less would give people an improper idea of what's on the go. And even beyond that, it would just look irresponsible.
3: I think that's some great insight there. Uh, and Max, I'll let you speak to this because you've gotten uh, so many questions about a venue and and Daniel kind of brought it up there. I know you can't, say exactly where you're looking you guys have i think gone out of your way with uh, with good reason to to be very generic when talking about uh, a potential venue. But can you tell us just what kind of venue that you're looking for and what would be the the optimal type place for WNBA Toronto to play, Max?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so far to date, we've received business cases from pretty much every venue in the greater Toronto area that could support a sports team. The two main things we're looking at is accessibility and then also affordability. Um, We want to make sure that this stadium, everyone gets there, uh, you have a great atmosphere, you enjoy your time, and you're not breaking the bank. Um, We're really attracting families uh, to this, um, bringing their young daughters. And obviously, the whole span of demographics goes across Canada, of course. But yeah, those are the two things we're taking into consideration. We want people to be able to get to the venue very seamlessly through transit or parking. Um, And then we don't need to be paying like some massive fee for every game day. Um, to the point where tickets become unaffordable. I also thought it was
3: really interesting to hear about plans for how you guys uh, plan to bring in revenue. And and Max, I'll let you start on this one. Talking about the, the digital engagement and how there is another way... To run a sports franchise, that there is an untapped potential, what you guys called uh, brand activations, as well. Can you delve in a little bit into what you're talking about? You'd like to get uh, more revenue from uh, than just TV rights deals and season tickets and things like that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we've just out of the gate, we've been approached by some massive, massive um, customer-centric focused companies worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, People love them. They have great customer base. And yeah, we'll be partnering with them. And when people hear the names of these companies, they will be very, very impressed. That's what I can say. And um, really the basis of everything we're doing with WNBA Toronto is like you said, brand activations. because what a brand activation really is, is being able to engage with your fans in a cool and creative way. Um, So we're going to be doing all kinds of things like that on game days and even outside of uh, game days themselves. And and Daniel, I'd love to hear what you have to say about that.
1: Anything you can add? Yeah, so we, even from the the very beginning, we built a business model from the ground up. The larger sporting industry is probably one of the last industries, at least in North America, to really embrace technology. And I think a part of that is a lot of the institutions and organizations involved are very old and risk-averse and uh, very slow to change and adapt to the time. We don't really have that barrier. In fact, Max and I both come from tech backgrounds it's something that we embrace. Adaptability and being able to take advantage of new and emerging technologies is a necessity to survive in the business environment today. So when it comes to things like accessibility and brand activations and making sure that we're leveraging The right opportunities. Toronto is a city of a few million people. Canada is a country of 40 million. If we only sell, you know, four or 5,000 tickets, I don't mind. That's not where my attention is. I want to focus on taking the brand, the team, the players, the franchise as a whole to every single Canadian, wherever they are, because we don't need to drag people to every single game as long as we bring the game and the people to them. And that creates a very interesting opportunity to generate revenue in ways that traditional sports franchises really can't, because they rely on getting people into the arena, having them see the jerseys, having them meet the players in person. Those things are important, but if you're running a good sport operation, that's going to happen regardless. So we're trying to focus on other ways to make sure that what we're doing is sustainable year-round, not just in the season. And even going beyond that, making sure that our players have opportunities to seek revenue generation opportunities on their own and act as ambassadors for brands or travel the country and not have a necessity to go play in other leagues just to make ends meet.
3: Daniel, that sounds like it could be really attractive for players as well.
1: Well, that's the hope. We're approaching this from a perspective that these are professional athletes, regardless of gender or sport. And while the season is only half the year, they deserve opportunities year-round. Players on the Toronto Raptors, when they're off-season, they're doing sponsorships, they're doing endorsements, they're doing camps, they're going around the country. But WNBA athletes, through and through, they have to go to Australia to play in the leagues. They have to go to Europe to play in the leagues because they're, they're only paid you know, 1% of what a rookie NBA player is paid. While bridging that gap is an enormous task. Uh, We'd like to go at least a little bit of a way further and give them opportunities to live a professional lifestyle, to be a professional athlete year-round in Canada, engaging with the fans, building the same brand, and making sure that they're treated as equals. That's good stuff. Now, Max, I, I
3: wanted to go to the model franchises that you're looking at. Can you tell me any other type of WNBA franchises that you guys have been able to have conversations with to get a little bit of advice or to see what they're, they're doing that you like or anybody that you've observed over the scope of the WNBA uh, that in some way you're trying to, to model yourself after?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I won't comment on any specific conversations, but I will say that we're massive fans of uh, the LA Sparks, who basically just overhauled their entire organization. They've been amazing executive suite and have been obviously greatly successful as a team and a franchise. Um, Then also, I would say the Dallas Wings, too. Um, From what I know, they're doing amazing commercially uh, through brand activations and sponsorships. And uh, really how that came about was engaging with the broader community, because for their club, I think they're, the next team is about three states away from them, and they almost have a monopoly on their on their market over there in Texas. So it's very similar to here in Canada and Toronto, uh, where we can really, really uh, leverage the Canadian aspect of this as much as possible and in, uh, in a way that favors everyone involved. I hear you. Now, it
3: has been, I, I know, I just want to get into it personally for, for you guys, because um, I, I know you have, quote, unquote, real jobs as well, but this has had to have dominated uh, just every aspect of your life. I mean, you're sitting here for a, a podcast to talk about this. Daniel, how has your life changed in the last few months since this really got up and running?
1: Well, uh, when, we, when we first really got on the go with this, the, the thought process was, we'll see how far we can get with it. And, you know, we had imagined at some point that someone along the way would say, no, you're crazy. You can't do this. So, you know, it was a couple of hours a week, just you know, kind of steaming along. And as it picked up, we expected to keep constantly and it, it never did to the point where we have ubiquitous support from every stakeholder in North America. So this has transitioned from, you know, an evenings and weekends kind of side gig to like the last three weeks alone. Like Max and I have been basically doing 20 hour days nonstop. Uh, I don't think I've had a, a break or a weekend. Since June, probably the twentieth, and we're pre- preparing for the announcement. This really has kind of just taken over my life, and I, I'm fairly confident saying Max's as well. But like the way it's been, uh, it's been, seen, You know, when we when we first started, you know, we were called tech pros and, or tech entrepreneurs. Never really liked that analogy because like what what we've done comes from our background and knowledge and tech and an understanding of how the market works and how we need to adapt. But we're approaching this as a sport business. We're approaching this as professionals and executives in a a way that should be done. So we're really grinding away to make sure that this is done in a sustainable and reasonable way, but also has a lasting impact. This is an opportunity to build a legacy for Canada.
3: And, and Max, how much is that fueling you while you're working on four hours of sleep or less a day? How how much just just knowing that you've got all that on your shoulders and you've got a, a grander goal and uh, ambition in mind here?
2: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think this hits a lot of people is once you find that passion and that real sweet spot, and even career and personally, like for me, like I'll just wake up and then I'll just get up and like get going and everything. Like I'm not going back to sleep afterwards. Um, so I think it's just like a natural energy that's kind of come about and you almost don't think twice about it. Obviously in terms of personal, like things have been crazy. Like my texts are pretty much flooded. Um, a lot more people have my cell phone number than I realized. <laughs> um, I've been getting text. I've been getting a lot of texts from people whose numbers actually aren't saved in my new phone. And I've been having to figure that bit, that out a bit. And obviously our email boxes are flooded too. So Probably the biggest challenge so far is making sure we're tracking every conversation and uh, being able to get the most value out of it.
3: No, I hear you. And uh, you guys are getting after even putting some merchandise out August 1, right? So what's the, the, Max, I'll start with you. What's the significance of that and going ahead and putting some merchandise out there for sale at this uh, early stage when, honestly, I I know the ambitions and uh, certainly rooting for you, but you don't necessarily know that you are going to be playing in 2020.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, the merchandise is a big step. We've had tons of requests for it. And even on top of the merchandise, we're, we'll be creating a season ticket waitlist with no deposit required, of course, um, just to kind of build up that query of emails. Um, but for the merchandise, it's absolutely incredible. It's top quality. And people are going to love to be seen in it. And it's going to fly off the shelves. Um, four pieces will be exclusive and only sold once. And then we'll have another three mainstays on the store as well.
3: Outstanding. Daniel, how are you guys going to figure out uh, what the team name of WNBA Toronto is going to be?
1: We've approached this from the get-go, not as just Toronto's team, but as Canada's team. If this franchise is successful, this would be the only professional-level women's team of any sport in the entire country. So this is really a point that we want to impress on, is that we want every single Canadian to feel like they are investor in this team, that they have a vested interest in in, in, uh, its success. And part of that is being a part of creating its identity. So we want to give the opportunity for every single Canadian from coast to coast to coast a chance to create the name and even the brand for this team. Uh, Whether that be, you know, we've we've seen a lot of suggestions like the Huskies, the Towers, uh, there's a handful of others. The entire country will be voting on this, and then we will know for a fact that we are representing the entire nation
3: max anything uh, you want to add about that do you have an early leader in the clubhouse as far as your your favorite oh no
2: i've honestly i've really just been monitoring the tweets and the feedback so far i'm honestly just super excited to see what the country comes up with we'll probably launch the poll it looks like in november or december and then the team will be de- team name will be decided by january uh, max what's the
3: key here in uh seizing this momentum because obviously there is a lot of momentum behind it and and just making sure that it goes wave to wave and doesn't wane in the middle
2: at all yeah so honestly the biggest thing about that is there's obviously the public stuff we do like the interviews the podcasts, the tweets all the social media but then there's the back end of it where we're actually getting stuff done in, in a concrete fashion um so if this was just like a social media blip it would just die out because we'd have nothing to announce on the back end um, so it's really about combining both, creating a lot of conversation around this and then us obviously doing our jobs and getting the paperwork done and everything like that.
3: Daniel, is there any other date that you can announce, not necessarily what you're going to announce or do fans need to be looking
1: out for any other uh, big announcements soon? We are going to be transitioning from uh, the concert announcements over the next six weeks or so, uh, just getting the news out there, what we have behind the curtain. Uh, into a more constant presence in the community. And that's really what we're building as a community. But you know, regardless of the timeline of when the bid goes through and when the franchise starts playing, we want to start a conversation and to keep it going when it comes to gender equality and pay equity in sport. We are going to be producing an awful lot of content, doing a lot of events to make sure that we further that conversation. Because it's not something that should be done once. It's something that needs to happen every day, in every venue, in every way. And we are going to lead that conversation, not just in Canada, but hopefully for North America, maybe even the entire world. I think it's a great place to leave it. But
3: I, I want to make sure that there, if there's anything else that you wanted to make sure to add and and get out to you know the masses, not only across Canada, but to North America and WNBA
1: fans. The one thing I, I would like to say, actually, there's two. Uh, firstly, uh, the merch is, as we've said online, it'll be dropping August 1st, but fans can expect news before and after uh, in different ways. We're expecting some concrete uh, news to be finalized in the next 10 days or so. And we're going to have some very interesting conversations with uh, some people that are going to blow away a lot of people. Uh, but even going beyond that, this year was a monumental year for Canadian sports. We imported one trophy, we took MVP. Next year, we're coming for the next one.
2: Um, really, I would just say is stay tuned. Um, we try to put out as much content as possible. Um, our Twitter feed has been blowing up recently. So that's WNBA Toronto. can follow. Um, our Instagram is TO. Yeah, honestly, we're just trying to... We're interacting with almost every tweet that comes out. We just want people to engage with this and have some fun with the process because it really is history in the making.
3: And for your future fans, what can they do? If they want to see this happen and they want to see it happen... In 2020, what can they do to help you guys along the way? Right now,
2: they can absolutely talk about it and just be supportive um, when they're on the court with their friends. Um, if they're out at the pub, um, if they're out shopping, whatever they're doing, they're just talking to people about it. Like people already have been. I've walked down the street and heard people uh, here in Toronto talking about it, and it I just kind of uh, gave me the biggest smile ever, actually. So the buzz is definitely getting out there and then that's all we can ask for. And a lot of the updates will come through a social channel and that's the easiest way to kind of keep up with things.
3: Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, 100%. This has been, this is actually a great conversation. Really good.
3: There they go. Daniel Escott and Max Abrahams of WNBA Toronto here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Appreciate their time. And it's going to be interesting to see over the next few weeks how this all goes down once the CBA is ratified in the WNBA, if it provides some provisions for expansion even in 2020. And if it's going to happen for WNBA Toronto, it's obvious that Canadians want this to happen. They're thirsty for it, so we'll see if it ends up going down. But I really appreciate those guys for being on the podcast and talking about it. Really looking forward to something coming up in the next few weeks. We've got the approval to do a special show, and I'm going to tell you what that's all about Coming up next week, I'm going to kind of give you a full preview and what we're thinking about doing. We're thinking outside the box, to use that generic business term, coming up at the beginning of August for a very special edition of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. So make sure to keep it here next week. I'll tell you exactly what we're planning on doing. Thanks so much for being with us again this week. Make sure to rate us and review us. It helps other people find the podcast and just... Hey, word of mouth, that's going to help us as well. Share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, wherever you end up seeing it. Join us next week. Look forward to having you on the program. And if you ever want to reach out and write us, we've got a separate email address for that, actually, podcast at herhoopstats.com. The voice of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Susie Solis. Our music by Jared Deck, JaredDeckMusic.com. And the executive producer of the show is Aaron Barzalot. And I'm John Little. At the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game.
0: Her Hoop Stats.